0: It was a slow, extremely gradual way of easing them into this idea. While I was studying, I was also working, I was also uh, getting validation from, for my work from outside. That's basically where, um, you know, the Forbes 30 under 30 tag was more for my parents than for me. <laughs> Thank you for having me here today. Uh, Pleasure speaking to you about my journey and all the other questions that you have.
1: Thank you for joining us. So let's begin the journey of our podcast by knowing your journey, like how you actually started Green Jams and what was the inspiration behind starting Green Jams and, uh, you know, helping the society to uh, remove the reduce
0: the carbon footprint? Hmm. Well, um, I'm not someone who believes in overnight successes and I don't think um, anyone who has done anything good in this world woke up one fine day and said, hey, I have this epiphany and this is what I'm going to dedicate my life to. Um, it always starts with um, a seed of an idea that somehow gets planted in your head. And then it grows, it takes its own sweet time. You nurture it for a while and then slowly uh, it turns into something that is visible to the eye. And of course, then it grows uh, bigger and bigger. So my journey also was very similar. Um, I uh, came upon, uh, I mean, I learned about climate change during my final years of college. And I was very late to the party. Uh, most of my other peers and friends and uh, you know, college mates knew about climate change and I was like, okay, what is this? So why is it so important? And when I learned a little bit more about it and when I suddenly realized that uh, uh, and, and there's also an interesting story behind this, uh, I was basically um, this one fine day I was going to college and then I was sitting outside college and then um, I saw a sparrow and I was quite fascinated by it. And I wanted to understand uh, where um, I wanted to, you know, remember the last time that I saw a sparrow. And it suddenly hit me that uh, the last time that I saw a sparrow was at least 10 years before that day when I was a little kid. And uh, so this was during my third or fourth year in college. And um, that got me curious. And I quickly whipped out my phone and then I tried to, uh, I basically searched about. Of what happened to all these matters in this world, and that's basically how I learned about climate change. And then uh, a little bit deeper study, and then I realized that uh, again from secondhand information on the internet that construction is one of the leading causes of climate change. And I was going to become a goddamn civil engineer. Um, I don't want to be uh, the the reason for climate change to happen. I didn't want to contribute in the same way that the construction industry was already doing what it was um, doing to the planet. So that's essentially uh, how it started. I wanted to uh, and also I have a I've always been a rebel uh, so that's also one of the reasons why I wanted to do what regular civil engineers would do. Um, So that's when I tried to understand what uh, else could be done and that's when I stumbled upon uh, which would baffle every civil engineer that I know for the next full decade. Um, it's happened upon something called Hemcrete. Uh, this is basically concrete made from the stalks of the cannabis plant. And uh, I was super fascinated by it simply because one, I'm used to cannabis and two, never knew that you could actually make a building with cannabis and that it was carbon negative and thermally insulated and lightweight. And back then, everything on the internet that that, uh, hempcrete was also stronger than regular concrete. And I was like, man, what is this material? Why is it so amazing? And that's when I thought that, hey, I mean, this is something that's exciting me. Let's uh, bring uh, hempcrete to the Indian construction industry. That's uh, what I wanted to do. So I studied it further for a good uh, four or five years academically and then also commercially. Along the way, I developed the world's strongest m and I also set up Green Gems uh, with the vision to commercialize m Create in the Indian construction industry. So that's basically how the journey started.
2: Right, so it is quite inspiring to see how you actually build towards, you know, a product that's, that could potentially save the world. I mean, seeing a sparrow, not seeing it for 10 years, it's actually quite a scary thing, I would say. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, your startup is one of the most inspirational ones that people can look forward to in the, you know, environmentally, you know, area towards building a business because it's one of the most uh, upcoming fields of business, I'd say. So uh, my next question, sir, uh, as entrepreneurship is, uh, you know, not just a domain, it's not a field, it's it's a lifestyle. So what is your lifestyle?
0: i mean it's uh what you said is right it is a lifestyle and uh it's not a great lifestyle to to be honest um you know had you been working for someone you know that you know you owe that company or that employer uh just those eight to ten hours uh of your day um but when you're an entrepreneur when you started something that 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 company, that business, that mission owns literally 24 hours of your day. So in a way, a lot of people think that when you become an entrepreneur, you suddenly gain freedom, that you're a free man or a woman. But uh, no, you trade working for uh, someone else to working for, you know, you become a slave uh, to that business. So yeah, the, I mean not a great lifestyle, to be honest, but at the end of the day, why we still continue to do it is simply because it gives us immense um, pleasure that, you know, working towards something that could potentially change uh, the world.
1: Okay, so here we, you really uh, changed the misconception of, of all the students that feel, who feels that, uh, you know, by doing our own business by starting up something uh, we'll get the the freedom but it also comes with hard work that you need to do and commitment so uh so my next question would be so whenever i meet to an elder person i always have a curiosity to uh, you know ask them what is the biggest learning of their life so you are an entrepreneur and uh, what would you tell if i ask you that what is the biggest life
0: lesson that you have gained till now uh it's actually quite a difficult question and the answer also took pretty long because there were quite a few things that i done um i never did a job i mean i never worked for anyone before the, i started my own company so i was in many ways uh, a complete fresher uh, and you know when you start out on your own right from the beginning it's even more difficult because uh, one you don't know how things work you don't know what a company is supposed to be like uh, you have no idea so you you essentially have a blank canvas that you uh paint on uh, and obviously you've seen how a child paints right i mean in most cases it's hideous you can't make heads or tails and that's basically what it's like when uh, you start out um, it's always good to seek advice. Um, always talk to people, always communicate. Uh, the one thing that I learned during this entire journey, I think which would also hold true uh, for um, you know anyone coming from any field of life is to know how to communicate well. Um, the understand uh, communication with a deep, deep passion. Because there are a lot of secrets to life uh, and you not know, just pure uh, communication. There's this uh, interesting saying that I came across recently. Um, how you do anything is how you do everything. So, yeah, and I'll let you ruminate on that for a while.
2: really, you know, that's a thing to live by, honestly, because it explains how you live your life, it explains how you make your life decisions, it explains almost anything about you, Everything, you know, people say that's small, you know, and it's redundant, I don't feel like it's redundant at all, it's actually how you conduct yourself, how you, you know, get on with your life, that makes you successful, as you've already established, Uh, so so my next question begins by, you know, telling you a little about well you know much better than I do so in your time it the startup culture was not exactly you know the best kind found I mean uh, people used to not believe in startups and you know the failure rate was a lot higher and families wouldn't believe in it so you know when you started your own uh, startup so what were the difficulties that you faced, and how you know your parents and family reacted when you said you wanted to start your own business? I mean how did you even convince them that?
0: You don't really convince for anything right? I mean you show value that's that's basically what you do uh, you don't convince that's also one of the only ways that you sell it is by which is by showing value. you don't really try to convince anything in here yeah, That's not how you do it. Um you basically go out there and you tell them, that, hey, this is what I have to offer and this is how this is going to benefit you in exactly your terms. Now for me, um I did have this um idea. So you basically at the at the end of the day you create value, right? So I mean for my parents they wanted me to um, accumulate more degrees. They essentially wanted me to do a job that has uh, a chances of a significantly higher upside. Um, I wasn't getting any good jobs. So the, the other alternative was uh, for me to go out there and get a degree. And that's when I told them that, hey, I mean, I'm going to get a PhD. Uh, but secretly, I had my own plans because uh, along with the PhD, I was also starting the company. And uh, this PhD was... For me to develop the skills that I needed uh, to essentially uh, build the company that I wanted to build, so that was the idea, and that's basically how I got them on board. And it was it was a slow, extremely gradual way of easing them into this entire idea. While I was studying, I was also working. I was also uh, getting validation from for my work from outside. That's basically where, um, you know, the Forbes 30 under 30 tag was more for my parents than
1: for me. (laughs) Okay. So you just talked about the balance that you, um, you were uh, balancing all the things at the same time, your PhD, your business, and, uh, you know, start starting up something. So uh, have... Has your priori- priorities ever changed since the you started the organization and
0: now? Have my priorities changed? No, I don't think so. Um, I think uh, growing this company comes front and center, uh, and then comes anything else. Um, there, this is this is life. I mean, this is uh, what I've dedicated uh, almost a decade of my life to.
2: So no, priorities will never change. But sure, uh, not just talking about the professional, uh, you know, priorities. Uh, how have you like? Has the has there been a change in the priority between the personal, social, um, you know, professional life balance that uh, you had been doing since you know your company was growing, but since now that you have a well-established company under your name, uh, you know some things might have changed for you. Maybe you prefer you know, personal time. You, maybe you need some time with the family. Or maybe you just focus on the professional extremely well. And maybe, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, maybe you slack off in one area or maybe some other area that I'm not able to, you know, convey to you. So
0: that happens, right? I mean, as you grow up, as you grow older, you automatically you know your relationships change your friendships change your relationship with the self also changes Uh, when you're younger blood's hot uh when you're in your 30s it's done it's uh, starting to turn to form so yeah i mean change is the only constant uh but when you ask about priorities i mean that's that's a choice that you make so for me at least like i said the priority has always been uh, growing this company i'm on a mission um and I want to change the way that we build. So, yeah, that will always be tough priority. If that becomes second or third, then we would fail. You know, there's no plan B.
2: Okay. So, sir, in your previous answer, like before this one, you mentioned that you, uh, you know, love the tag of hope 30 under 30. And uh, I also know that you have been a fellow at Iron And, you know, you're an uplink editor at the World Economic forum. So, so did you aspire to be all this or uh, did this come along the way as bonuses and you know what what did you actually like dream about this day or just anything else?
0: Honestly no man I mean I I do enjoy the tags for sure uh but they just came um as a as a bonus. I mean it wasn't like I was aiming for it. So the It's not like I didn't put any uh, hard work either. I did. Uh, But the reason that you put in this hard work is because you then build your network. Uh, And especially if you want to survive as a business or even uh, in life in general, right? I mean, you want to find a job or you want to get a promotion and you, if you want to uh, go from one company to another company, you have to build that network. And it is through network is how you get opportunities is how you uh, leverage those opportunities and then uh, get a step up in life. So, sure, I mean, all of these things were necessary. They were important. Um, I mean, if you had to go somewhere and open a few doors, then you don't need uh, um, a few titles that, can, that, that you can throw around. Uh, and that's essentially uh, what all of this was. Ink, however, was um, something that I aspired for. Um, that was basically where I learned The importance of storytelling and um, also learned a few storytelling skills that would help me um, land a few uh, investments in the future and uplink again it was the same thing i want to grow the business i needed the skills and i needed needed the connection and advisory and that's right uplink
1: okay so basically you didn't expect it but uh, you worked hard and achieved it So, uh, as we are talking about expectations, so your parents might have expected something from you after you uh, started your business and it's just going very good and your employees must have expectations from you. Many people are actually afraid of expectations. So, what are your views on that? How do you react to the expectation of the people with you?
0: Um, So there's definitely a personal philosophy angle to this, uh, which I won't get into. Um, The one thing, businesses thrive on predictability, right? And for you to be predictable and for you to also uh, predict the actions of another company, of another entity, uh, you definitely need to have expectations and you, you should also be able to um, identify the expectations of your uh, of the other transaction partner of uh, business associate. So in a company, in any setting where there is uh, money involved, where there is um, you know actual uh, business happening, it is really important to identify and manage um, expectations. You can't really grow without actually realizing that humans are social animals and that we are slaves to our desires. Uh, and especially in this capitalist world, that holds especially true. So customers have expectations, employees have expectations, uh, investors have expectations, your suppliers have expectations, stakeholders have expectations. Um, and you need to be able to read between the lines and um Understand indirect cues um, about what these expectations are, and you don't become as much as a mystery as much of a mystery to the other people that you're dealing with. through effective communication, you also explain what your own expectations are, so that um, it can be managed uh, properly and you have uh, a relationship that is more than this. That's.
2: No, great to hear, sir. I mean, hearing you balance all these expectations and everything is just uh, something that every entrepreneur and every, every person at the high level needs to do. So, I mean, that's a skill that we all should you know, learn to do. And, uh, but, sir, I've been curious about, uh, you know, since you developed such a product that's, you know, one of the first to be in the industry of actually being carbon negative, not even zero carbon, because companies are actually. Struggling to go uh, zero carbon right now, and do you have a business to you know carbon, that's going carbon negative? So, sir, what has been the past growth, and uh, what do you predict is this, you know uh, the scope in the future for your organization? I mean, there's always scope, but uh, what are you actually working upon right now to so, you know get that market share, increase that market? Sure. So
0: we have a mission. We want to be responsible for removing 10% of global CO2 emissions. So annually, uh, the day we hit that, we're looking at uh, doing approximately the half a trillion dollars worth of business. Um, and I hope that happens soon because the construction industry is significantly larger uh, and we do hope to be one of the largest um, players in the business. So uh, let's hope that it happens now um you know while that is the case um uh, at this point i mean since we started uh, we have been growing at a clip of 10x um and uh, you know i hope that we're able to do essentially carry forward the same sort of growth uh, in the future also um yeah and we plan to, at this point, we have something called agrocrete. It is the world's only verified carbon negative uh, construction material. At this point, we have it in the form of construction blocks. In the near future, we will also be introducing it as a, a replacement for regular concrete. So you would have it in the form of a ready mix, you would have it in the form of roofing, uh, flooring, uh, structural components, and so on. So that's what we're focusing on right now. We want to replace completely
1: with We hope you achieve your targets as soon as possible. So uh, you talked about uh, showing value to the people that you have to show the value that uh, you are doing this thing and uh, this will fetch this value. So how do you onboard your first invest- investor and how do you show
0: value of your business to them? Any story that you would love? To hear. Hmm. Um, yeah, we landed our first set of investors after uh, more than 40 uh, something uh, rejections. Um, the challenge being that, you know, we were in an industry where uh, we're literally making a physical product. We invented a, a physical product and everyone was developing Uh, an app or uh, some sort of a digital tool. And back then uh, in construction tech, what back then? This is two years ago. Uh, In construction tech, the only solutions that were emerging were uh, some sort of a tool to manage productivity or to ensure that you're able to monitor your construction site really well, that you get to know when an ant moves. Uh, That's the sort of technology that people were developing. So, It was quite difficult for um, several investors to understand what we were doing in the first place. Uh, A lot of people are uh, completely different from uh, what we were trying to say. Uh, And that's the first time that I understood uh, about a lot of things that I just told you about. What are the expectations? How do people uh, listen? Do they actually listen? Uh, Where are they coming from? And It's when you'll understand all of these things is when you also learn that whenever someone says a no to you, it's not the end of the world, it does hurt, but then you also learn how to uh, overcome that particular challenge. So um, that's essentially uh, how it was. uh, After several rejections, uh, finally, this group of investors, uh, they found value in the work that they were doing and they said, hey, okay, excellent. Uh, how do you think this is going to grow? And then when we showed them that the vision was large, that you know, we were actually solving for, um, you know, multi-billion dollar uh, problem. And they were like, yeah, okay, excellent. They're on board.
2: That's actually very nice, sir. Actually facing off, facing success after such amount of rejections is, you know, one of the most blissful moments, I would say, would have been in your life. And, you know, there have been a lot of milestones that you've achieved. Uh, in your tenure. So, what do you consider uh, the biggest milestone in your, you know, own life, or perhaps even in the companies um, uh, you know, ever since you started the company? So, what has been the biggest milestone? Mm-hmm.
1: Um.
0: So my biggest milestone, I think, uh, comes from, uh, you know, just getting a large company to find value in the product that we're creating and giving us uh, business, not once, but multiple times. Um, I think we've been able to achieve uh, quite a few aspects that a lot of uh, startups are trying to achieve. We were able to achieve product market fit, we were able to achieve customer retention, we were able to achieve uh, the product loyalty. Um, so yeah, from just this one uh, large order. Yeah, I think was my biggest milestone.
1: Okay, sir. So, we always face difficulty in selecting the team, like we are college students and whenever we select a group for even for a assignment, even for an assignment that we are going to do, we face difficulty in that as well. So, while you were starting team Jams and you were selecting your core team, so, what are what were the difficulties that you faced, and how you actually cope up with it and found your core team?
0: Well, um, yeah, uh, what's interesting is uh, it's a family. That's uh, me, dad, and my younger brother, uh, who are uh, the core team. Interestingly, all the three of us come with a uh, diverse set of experience. My dad is a civil engineer too. Uh, so that's basically, uh, that's the only similarity that we have. But he was always in the uh, the implementation side. So he, an industry veteran, you know, who's implemented projects worth more than $1 million across, across the span of his career. So I mean, and my younger brother is a lawyer uh, by training. And he was always a, also a student entrepreneur. Um, and therefore, he brought that skills in and then uh, I was anyway in this journey alone for a significantly long uh, period of time. Um, I think about six years that I was uh, working alone trying to develop this uh, product, this technology. And it was after that. Uh, and and then finally, I mean, when we realized that you know, the stars were aligning and that you know we could all put our skills together to build a large business is when we decided to come together and say that, hey, okay, let's start Green Jams and let's make it happen.
2: Right. So, uh, you started Green Jams. It took you about six years to develop the product. I mean, uh, personally, it's it's a, I feel like it's a long time to build towards something. And when you finally, you know, have established your company, uh, so after selecting the core team, uh, you also, you know, must have had to recruit some people. You know, be an employer rather uh, being an employee. So what do you uh, promote in your organization? Like, what's the work culture like at Green Champs?
0: Yeah, we're a very small team, and uh, we were very conscious about the size of the team also, but just six people on the uh, in the management uh, team. Everyone else is basically just uh, the, the factory workers. So at the factory... You know, we uh, follow best in the industry standards with regards to the pay and you know working conditions and all of those aspects. Uh, but in the future, while as we grow the team right now, uh, there are a few aspects that we um, I think imbibe as a naturally as a team, which is that um, you know we we basically encourage uh, self initiative. So we're not the ones who would uh, cope behind you to ask you and uh, to basically micromanage you we give you tasks and then uh you know we expect them to be completed so self-initiative is something that we look at um so we're also uh i mean we also hope to be an equal opportunity employer um at this point just the concentration of the team and so the three people three males sitting um yeah, at the core level and because the team size is only just six uh, we haven't been able to achieve the diversity that we wanted to achieve but otherwise it's just a regular startup culture man uh, you work whenever you work from wherever uh, as long as your tasks are done as long as you're able to uh, come to me or anyone in the team and say that hey uh, uh, this is what uh, you asked me to do but I think there's a better way to do it the, and this is the other alternative i are more than happy to uh, take a look at it and yeah, I and mean, let people do what they want to do, as long as it's in the, uh, it's towards the growth of the company.
1: Okay, so that's also what we try to uh, maintain and see that all the members get equal opportunity and all the members get a chance to speak and you know share their uh, advices and so that we can implement it. So as we come to the end of the podcast, I would like to ask you the last question. What is one advice that you would give to the student to have in their college life and uh, something that uh, you wanted to do in your college life?
0: (laughs) I I think everything that I wanted to do in my college life, I did. (laughs) There was nothing I uh, did not do. Uh, But my advice would be to, uh, man, just look beyond college. A lot of times uh, in a lot of colleges, what happens is uh, when someone's taken initiative, you would always have some of your peers uh, make fun of you for taking that initiative or try to pull you back or say that, hey, I mean, this does not look cool, so don't do it. Um, And that's where a lot of times a lot of students... you know, miss out on some great uh, opportunities, and you know, uh, a few skills that you uh, end up learning during those activities you don't learn. Um, so uh, it is important to learn how to be a good follower, uh, to become a good leader. Uh, you need to be able to uh, learn how to not procrastinate. Uh, you need to be able to learn how not to. Uh, how to basically shoulder responsibility and make sure that actually, you're fulfilling that responsibility. Um, yeah, so that I think, so these are some of the softer skills that um, everyone should learn. Um, yeah, and and also know how to communicate. And I, at this point, it kind of feels like a lot of people just don't know uh, how to say what they have in their minds. That's uh,
2: actually quite a to hear, I mean, if you, I, I suppose it would have given you benefit as well if you heard this speak to you, like if you could talk to yourself when you were in college as well. Maybe, you know, uh, like the wisdom that you shared with us today and uh, your remarkable journey and the success is not just the destination, it's about, you know, as you've said, uh, you know, embracing the process and so, you know, skillfully developing from yourself. Uh, it's it's just entrepreneurship is everything so like when you go in a lifestyle so it's it's like everything so when you develop your skills and you know anything you talk about it it's just uh I, I suppose every entrepreneur that has been successful would have gone through all these stages and uh, i really thank you for joining us today for this podcast and it was a pleasure hosting you and uh, you've inspired us to, you know, to keep dreaming big and, of course, work towards the environment because that's what you, you know, worked for your whole life, and that is, you know, just an imperative field in everything that we need to look forward to. It's uh, sustainability is just something that we need to inculcate in not not just the business but in our regular phases of life as well. And thank you for reminding us that. Thanks, man. thank you for having me